What's up, basketball fans? This is Jason Amar, along with my boy, Andy Cordell. And this is 808s and Fast Breaks, a bi-weekly basketball discussion that rarely ends up being about just basketball. This is 808s and Fast Breaks, episode 16, Sweet 16. I am Jason Amar, here with my good friend, Andy Cordell. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's uh, it's been about a week, I think, some something like that, since we got together and chatted some basketball, just to run through kind of our schedule for today. Um, we're going to kind of give you a recap of, of all the finals action. Game five just happened as we're recording Monday evening here. Um, Warriors taking a three, two lead in that one, winning at home. Um, and then we'll kind of do a fun question, a fun little activity. Uh, someone suggested on TikTok that we do our top five shooting guards of all time. So we're going to, we're going to go for that. And then we'll also jump into yeah. some NBA draft conversation um, and talk about the main three guys. Uh, if you've kind of been following any college basketball or draft conversation at all as we get into that season, then, you know, the the top of the draft is kind of centered around three main guys, Paolo Bancaro, Chet Holmgren, and Jabari Smith Jr. So we'll kind of do our own deep dive as we've watched a bunch of film and interviews and what have you over the past couple weeks on these guys. Um, but yeah, let's just get right into it, man. Uh, I'll let you kind of set the stage for, for the game. We just watched before that, actually um, our predictions from the last episode, let's just <laughs> recap those. Cause we were kind of joking that we're not good at it making predictions, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we kind of did decent this time. We both got a few things right here uh, for game three and four. Uh, we had kind of had it flipped. I I had those right. I thought Boston would win Game Three, uh, and Warriors would even it up, take home court advantage back in Game Four. Um, but then I thought Boston would go on to win Game Five here and close it out in Game Six, uh, which I was wrong about. And you obviously had that Game Five prediction right. Um, so th- talking talk to me about Game Five, man. How do you think the Warriors got it done today? What stood out to you when when you watched the game? Um, well, I think Boston kind of came out not as aggressive and decisive with their decisions. Uh, I think the narrative overall was kind of a shaky start by Boston, but the crazy thing was that, you know, they made it a game. It was getting close by halftime. You're kind of sweating bricks because you're like, anybody can kind of take this, you know, and Unfortunately, on the night that I bet on Steph to, you know, make at least three threes, four threes, he has his worst <laughs> three-point shooting exhibition. <laughs> um, but that just uh, that just shows that Steph's teammates, you know, like everybody kind of really stepped up. I think Draymond really took a, a bigger role and more, I guess, decisive role in the playmaking and facilitating, even though he did foul out, you know. 
I still think he made a much bigger impact. And I think part of that is just like home court advantage. I think, you know, Golden State, just a very good, strong home team. And like when they're yeah. clicking and they got the fans going, it's like it's kind of hard to get off of all of that, too. And then the calls were a little bit rough today as well. I mean, I'll let you get more into that if you want to. But yeah, for sure. And you know. no, I think there was there was definitely like a, a little bit of like a home court whistle from the refs today. Oh, yeah. Um, it wasn't reflected so much in the free throws, um, pretty even in the free throws, but just in terms of like what was called <clears throat> and what was let go, it felt quite inconsistent at times. Um, there were, you know, Tatum seemed to be getting hacked a lot and Wiggins got a couple iffy calls on the other end. Um, huge, huge game from Andrew Wiggins, like game of his career. Uh, he ended with 26 and 13. Absolutely. I don't know where that came from. And then Clay had a nice bounce back game. He hit five threes. So, you know, even though Steph had a poor game, those guys stepped up. Jordan Poole stepped up. Um, and like you said, Draymond kind of finally had the bounce back game. But <laughs> as me and you bet, thought would happen uh, yeah. last game. Um, but yeah, he kind of, he looked like traditional Draymond, I think, in every sense. He was so fucking annoying to watch today. Like, oh, yeah. Miss, Mr. Triple Single. Yeah, not even like <laughs> yeah, triple single for sure, but just like so annoying. Like he was yep. like the when the, the the ultimate example of it I think is when Tatum was just trying to walk back to the bench and he wasn't letting him walk back to the bench. He's trying to poke the ball and get it back. Like that I was know. ridiculous. You're up you're up 11. There's a few minutes left in the game. Let the motherfucker walk back to his own bench that he's already got 15 guys surrounding you at. Like he's on his right. side. Like right. that was just ridiculous to me. I Draymond's so fucking annoying to watch. I don't like him. <laughs> you know, this um, is like to watch. You know, I have nothing against him. I'm sure he's great as a person, but um, yeah. And I mean, that was. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. The decisiveness from the Warriors, the decisiveness from Draymond, playing to their strengths, playing fast, and then playing pretty stellar defense, getting the passing lanes. Again, I mentioned kind of the getting some friendly calls and a nice friendly whistle, right? But they played good defense. A lot of the time when I noticed to, to kind of get a little bit technical, we don't need to dive in too much on this, but they started to double, like hard double Tatum at the top quite a bit, and they won the four on threes every time with their rotations. That's what was super impressive to me. Mm -hmm. um, but... I mean, if they keep if they do that one more time, that's they'll win it in Boston. That was just yeah. like it was a shit display again from Boston shooting the ball, um, especially down the stretch, and that just can't keep happening if they're gonna win another game in the series. Yeah, I agree. I agree one hundred percent. All right, man. Well, any, anything else to to add on on Game Five, uh, or should we should we jump kind of into predictions for Game Six? I think we should just jump into predictions for game six. You know what I mean? All game right. five Sounds was good. We got everything out. Game the way. five is ancient history now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so game six, do you think, you think Boston can pull it out or you think uh, the Andrew Wiggins led warriors can, can close it out? I think, uh, I think Boston wins it. I, because they, they've never lost two games in a row. And from everything that we've seen from Boston this postseason, I'm never going to count them out 
for like winning one more and taking it to seven. You know, Yume Udoka has like proved that his coaching style works and obviously everyone in Boston's bought in. And at this point, I think they can take one at home. It's a hard floor to win on. And I think they'll learn from the mistakes that they're having and minimize the turnovers. That's what I think is going to be the biggest thing in game six is I think they'll have less than like 14 turnovers, hopefully. And that will change the way the game's being played. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. I think, I think Boston backs against the wall elimination game and the fact that they don't lose multiple games in a row this postseason, I think they'll be able to squeeze one out. It's probably going to be pretty low scoring, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, hopefully the turnover disparity isn't as as crazy. I think it was eighteen to six, if I have that correct. What I'm looking at right now, it was so, pretty bad. Was that can't happen bad. again. They're going to get blown out of the water at home if that happens again. But let's jump to a a fun topic here. Um, we had someone reach out on TikTok on one of our recent videos here and ask us to do a, a top five shooting guards of all time. So I know I gave it a little bit of thought. You gave it a little bit of thought. I'll let you kind of go first. We can talk it out and then we'll kind of recap at the end. Who are your first guys that come to mind? Top five shooting guards of NBA history. Okay. It goes Michael. Kobe, Wade, AI, and Clay Thompson. Clay. Yeah, dude. That's interesting. Okay. Because okay. Clay's about to win his fourth ring. I mean, I I, I get it. And get it. that's how I feel about it at this point. One of the winning best shooters of all time. All time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, that's interesting. I can see where you're coming from. I think I agree with you on the first three for sure. Um, okay. Mike, Kobe, Wade. I think as shitty. Who was your fourth, by the way? I'm already forgetting. Uh, mine was AI. AI. Okay. Yeah. I mean, as shitty as it is, I think I kind of got to put Harden in there. I'm kind of debating. Mm. I think I'm going to go for. Um, and then I'm actually going to go Ray Allen fifth. Okay, because it mine was either Clay or Ray. Yeah, that was that was a hard in there. And that I, was a hard I also decision. Thought about, yeah. I also thought about T Mac. T Mac's my honorable mention. Yeah, dude. Anyone yeah, else? That, anyone else that? Anyone else that you, like, you don't want to like forget to mention? Well, I mean, you have to account for Vince Carter, dude. That's fair. You know what I mean? The That's influence. Fair. I mean, and dude, longevity. He played amazing for many years he just fell short on some places but he's still one of the greatest shooting guards to ever play definitely yeah definitely yeah all right man cool well top five shooting guards of all time for you again you want to you want to say it real quick yes yeah it's uh michael kobe d wade alan iverson clay thompson yeah and i think i i go say again same three michael Uh, Kobe, Dwayne Wade, James Harden, and then Ray Allen for me. Yeah, that's good. Good, good so, list right there. Hey, all all great players. Honorable mentions: uh, T Mac and Vince Carter. Yes, Shout out yes. to the that person on TikTok for suggesting that question. That was a good one. That was dope. Please keep asking questions. We love it. We love it. Yeah, definitely. Please keep sending them in. Um, 
and now we're going to kind of do a, a, a deep dive conversation here, a little bit of draft conversation. And this is kind of, I think, a good intro because the draft is in 10 days. Ooh. We've been kind of putting on our GM hats here, scouting hats, and I think some more draft content is to come. Um, well, I think we're going to try and do a full big board episode, mock draft episode, um, and just kind of talk rumors as we get close to it. And then me and Andy usually get together and watch the draft uh in person together most years so we'll i'm sure we'll try and do that again um yep. and have some some yep, fun yep. recap content as well but the top three guys um jabari smith jr uh paolo bancaro and chet holmgren they've kind of been the consensus top three for what feels like a year almost like since the last draft ended mm-hmm. right and Especially Chet, right? It's kind of been in been in the minds of scouts and NBA fans. Right, um, right, right. I'll leave my bias out, even in introducing the question. Who do you want to talk about first? Who do you like the most? Who do you lean to? Just take it wherever you want to go. Because I think there's so many different angles that we can Good. talk about this from. I don't even want to try and set it up in any way let's just kind of let's just go it. let's okay all right then i think the first of the top three picks that i think we really need to talk about is really going to be chet i think chet is truly an outlier here in terms of where he's been ranked how and i think i think basketball philosophy really kind of dictates a lot of people's feelings about chet right like tall has guard like skills right and like you're he's coming off pin down sometimes the way he plays is completely different and weird for his size and while he's like lengthy people question like how his body can handle the league ahead of him and i think that's just a really interesting place to start off is with chet and the benefits that teams would want to get from him. And I think in terms of defensively, I think he could be the best of the three in terms of versatility. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, that's just that's just kind of where my mind started, you know, just like kind of watching film on him, how he's just an absolute monster. No, absolutely. There's, you can't watch him, I think, and not just think that there's like not all defense maybe a defensive player of the year potential. You know what I mean? So right. when you start thinking about that, it's it's salivating, right? But then yeah. you get pulled back to earth when you realize all of that is in like maybe less than 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. He's seven it's, feet tall. It's like 195. Yeah, yeah, and he's like maybe, maybe 200 pounds soaking wet, right? Right. And obviously that's like, there have been players that have made careers. Nice little voice crack there for me. <laughs> made careers, um, not not in the weight room, right? Kevin Durant's like the first one that comes to mind. Didn't even register a single bench press at the combine. But if he, he doesn't play the big man position, and maybe Chet's gonna evolve, right? Right. And it's kind of like an inverse of Dirk Nowitzki, right? Dirk came in and everyone thought he was gonna be a three. And it actually turned out that he was better off as a four most of his career and later in even like a stretch five, right? Um, 
So it's just interesting. Like he's a genuine unicorn. Like we use that word so liberally, but he like actually we don't know what he is. I think that's how that word needs to be used. It's not that he's like can do everything. Oh my god. Like unicorns are like mysterious. Like we don't know what they what he can do. But maybe he can do everything. You know? My big right. hesitation and hang up, and I want to get your thoughts on this, is just the scoring from Chet. He and he played in a Gonzaga system, right? That doesn't lend itself too much to like individual scoring, isolation scoring. But were there like when you watch some of the tape from him, did you get those glimpses? Um, do you think he has a chance to be an offensive force in the league, or people, teams who are thinking about drafting him that high, you know, Orlando, OKC, and Houston need to just be banking more on defensive potential? Um, I think, and I'm sure you know, as you've been scouting. Chet is not going to be playing in any type of way a prototypical big man role. And I think a good example of where Chet can really balance out everything that he brings to the table is just looking at how the Cavs play Evan Mobley with another big. Um, Chet, the thing about him that I really like, and I'm not saying that Paolo or Jabari do not have this either, um, because they do. But I really like how Chet kind of feels out the game a little bit. Because even though he's big, um, there are times where opposing bigs and you know in the college setting did kind of bully him and push him a little bit. But on the offensive end, because he's actually a pretty reasonable passer, he he can kind of be a shot creating hub almost kind of yeah. how like Evan Mobley is for the Cavs in that, in in that short role. Right. Yep. Yep. And yeah, with, I mean with the, with another big man, hopefully what, cause, cause um, you know, Chet cannot be, um, <laughs> Chet can be your biggest player on, on the court, but he can't be your like true five on the court. I don't think he'll ever get to that point. And that's what a lot of people are saying is, Oh, he'll gain weight. It's like, no, it, only that in a type, small ball lineup ever. It, it's not, you're not going to put on 50 pounds of weight. It, it, he won't. It's that's Giannis just not his body. Giannis has made people like expectations crazy in that respect. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not going to gain that much weight. That's, it's just, uh, it, it, I guess, you know, there's, there's always a small, small chance. That it's, I'm stupid to say that's impossible. I should say, but, that's highly unlikely. Yeah. You know? And I I think that's, that's like where you start to look at the other guys, right? Because the other two guys, and I I don't want to pivot completely from Chet here, but the other two guys are going to offer more, you know, of, of the natural NBA archetype body scoring, all of it. Right. Um, so I think in some ways you can view those, those two being Jabari and Paolo as a lot safer than Chet. I agree. Even though, um, even though all the hype seems to be on Chet, right? Right. Um, and that's why I have him ranked third on my board, um, as of right now. It's just cause I, I have some hesitations, um, 
with all of that. But and, and before we kind of started taking a real deep dive in the last week here, I would have put him second, I think. But after watching it, I just have a little bit more hesitations. His running gait makes me nervous. His kind of like hunchback. I don't know what else to call it. It's kind of Yeah, rude, I agree. It's like a hunchback kind of thing. And it's like it has obviously not presented him any issues, right? But it just like there's something about it that isn't like a hundred percent passing the eye test for me. Um, not saying that he's not going to be a great player, just that maybe he's not number one pick player. Um, okay. And okay. I think part of that is like, I think maybe you're getting like a little bit more, like a little more athletic Kristaps Porzingis, but limited offensively. Right. Like, Maybe he can move a little bit more laterally, but you're not getting the offensive polished game that Przingis ever like has, you know. People kind of shit on him that he doesn't have a post game, but he's like he's decent. He's a good offensive player, you know. Um, and he was really, really good before the injuries. So that's like I think you look at Mobley, Porzingis, right? I think the defensive potential is in that mold. Um but I don't know if the offense is going to get there. That's just kind of where I get hung up. Right, right. I agree. I think Chet Chet offensively, but the biggest thing is like shot creators of all sizes. One thing is that you would hope that they have somewhat of a good handle of the ball. I I think Chet for his size is a great ball handler for his size. Absolutely. Right. And it, it is it is game changing how sometimes he can just grab a defensive board and run the floor. I think realistically speaking, though, in the NBA, I just don't see him getting that much freedom to be doing that, you know, against professionals where people really have quick, you know, quick twitch defenders in the NBA. They're everywhere now. It's, it's almost needed. And I think. Yeah where Chet really needs to grow is that that spot where it's like, do I, do I create a shot for someone else or do I take the shot? And if I take the shot, how fast can I get to it? Because he's been so tall that it doesn't matter if defenders like close out early because he's been able to shoot over. But once he gets to the NBA, there are going to be defenders willing to jump and meet him there. And I think the yeah. speed of the game is going to well, be I think the of biggest Robert adjustment. Robert Williams, guys like that are gonna are gonna close out and catch a couple of those, you know. Right, right. I agree. Someone like Robert Williams is the perfect example of someone I think would be an absolute nightmare for Chet. Um, and I could I could see how, you know, everyone is truly worried about his size. I will say one thing defensively though, that I think really sticks out to me from Chet more than everyone else is just his natural timing for shot blocking without fouling. It's incredible. It's so crazy how, like, at times he's so lengthy, he doesn't even need to jump, and he already preemptively has both hands around the rim, which I think is a very hard skill for NBA bigs today to naturally have that perfect timing. And I'm hoping that that translates well, and that could avoid him fouling as much too, just because big men are going to be attacking him quite a lot in the post. You would hope that his fundamentals on defense and his reactionary, you know, blocks 
could kind of carry him through whatever couple years of period where he needs to develop the knowledge of the game at that level. Absolutely. I think, you know, and you, you bring up some of the ball handling stuff. I kind of think there's like some Al Horford elements to his game in that respect, which I love, mm-hmm. you know, um, the ball handling, the playmaking in that, in the short role, like you mentioned, um, but enough about Shet. You know, we we're gonna talk more and more about him. It's like the guy is gonna get yeah. the most coverage. So, and that, right, um, right, the only thing right. I'll say about him is, even though I have him ranked third, there's no way in hell I think OKC passes on him at two. It's just too perfect of a fit. Um, so I will say that big board doesn't equal mock draft. <laughs> right, right. But uh, a mock draft doesn't equal real draft. <laughs> but uh. Who do you want to go to next? Who, who's who's your next guy? Pick one of the next. Jabari and Paolo. I think Jabari. Okay, Jabari. I've had, let, me, let me let me start then. Yeah. Let me start. Yeah, absolutely. Go right ahead. Um, Jabari is my guy. <laughs> um, my number one player in this draft, not by a mile. It's close, right? Um, but I and I wrote this and I'll read this like verbatim. I was just thinking I had to have something like why, like a kind of a statement of why he is number one, just like, you know, unapologetically. And it's, it's because of the defensive versatility. We talk a lot about Chet, but he's not, Chet is not guarding one through five. Jabari genuinely has the ability to guard one through five. If he hits his defensive peak, people say he's stiff, but the stiffness is more so on the offensive end right? A la Michael Porter Jr. And if I told you that you were going to get Michael Porter Jr. with all defense potential, that's going to go number one in the draft every year. And you would not say sorry for doing it. So that is my ultimate Jabari take. Um, But to get into a little bit of kind of like the nitty gritty, his, his actual jump shot is like picture perfect super high release point. He's six foot 10 long wingspan shoots over the top. Um, falls in love with the jump shot a little bit. I will say the two point percentages leave a little bit to be desired. Um, but I think a lot of that comes down to what his role is going to be too. Like if you think about Michael Porter jr, I'm going to kind of keep using that comparison. Um, Rashard Lewis, another one, right. But with more defense is, the three point rate is going to be so high. Like right. Even in college, he 44% of his uh, field goal attempts are three pointers. And people can say that's a bad thing, but I kind of think it's good. I think it lends to the kind of shots that he's going to be getting. Um, and if he's a number one option playing with like good guards, pick and roll, pick and pop, um, and able to read the defense from there, that's obviously his next step. Similar thing that Jason Tatum had to do. Um, another big wing kind of had to do, right? Brandon Ingram evolved as a playmaker. Those sort of things, like he's got, you know, he's not a perfect prospect, but that base is just so great. Um, If I had to ask for like a little bit more negatives to the, you know, I would ask him to get a little bit more to the free throw line, right? Be a little more aggressive, use that frame. He does a decent amount. The free throw rate is pretty similar to Paolo, right? For someone who has like a little more of a downhill reputation. Um, But... Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of my my take. I think Jabari is like my like clear cut number one. 
um, but albeit not by much. Like the the bar, like like the gap is not not high between the other two guys. So, what do you think? I know you said you might have you were you might have made me a little happy after you looked yeah. at it a little bit more. So, I mean, do you think he's yeah. number one, number two? Where where do you he's, think he lands? He's number one. He's uh he's number one. But just like you had that caveat, it's it's albeit not by much. I think the real reason why he's number one is because he is truly a perfect plug and play player right now at this level. Yeah. Well like, said. You know, like and the thing is, it's like if you get the three GMs in a room right now and they say, uh, let's just say the owner's like gun to your head. I don't want to bust. Jabari is clear. Consensus will not be a bust. He's going to be a good and great player. His fundamentals are all there. He takes extreme pride on perimeter defense. Like, and for someone that long, right. And that big to be able to keep up with guards at times and pretty much lock wings. Like it's it's a beautiful skill set to have in Orlando. And I think offensively, um, I don't think he's gonna have to do as much ball handling, but just like you've said, you know, these wings that have been drafted <laughs> recently throughout, you know, the past few years, Tatum, Ingram, every team is leaning towards a forward taking more playmaking responsibility. And I think the beautiful thing about Jabari's game is if he continues to shoot the way that he does, I truly believe he can use his gravity and his playmaking will follow afterwards. Because if you, you know, the gravity is what really matters, you know, in the NBA when you're talking about like high draft picks, it's like how much attention can you command when you're trying to score? And I think... I think Jabari will be able to fit into that role perfectly with Orlando. And that's why I just, I think hands down, he is the number one. It took me a while, but I eventually got there. The film's just too good and it's too enticing to say no. It's impressive, man. It is. It's like, did you watch any of the Florida game? Yes. I watched, I watched highlights of almost the whole season. So incredible, man. So when he, and, and I, I love he. They run this. They ran the play so much. Like when he, he would come up. They, they would swing it to the weak side. He would, like he, he'd show, um, a lot against zones, right? They use a lot against zones. He'd show at the top of the key, um, at kind of the free throw line. Look for the ball on one side. They swing it to the weak side. He swings to the other side. Shows, runs up to screen, slips the screen. He's screening for like the corner side. Slips back to the center of the court. Open three cash every time and that's such an nba play you know the 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 patrolling the zone is not nba but the actual action there on the wing is just that that's a classic nba action wing pick and roll and it's gonna get used so much and i just like i'm excited man like because he's so good at those things and, and like if he can take that next step i think the 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 what's made about his woes as a ball handler is a little bit much Right, he's just he's a he's a two or three dribble guy right now. Oh, you know? for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can do a you lot know? with but, two but, and three but dribbles. When, but when you can shoot over everyone the way he can, 
it's it's fine. And he's still able to grab a board and push, you know? He's he he can make outlet passes. Yep. Like he he'll be fine, you know? So I think a lot of that's overblown. Um yeah. And I think the other big thing is if he gets taken number one, I think a lot of people are forgetting because he didn't have an amazing season. But Jalen Suggs was taken very high by Orlando last year. And I just think about the pick and roll with him, if he can evolve as a shooter. Jabari's already a great shooter. That's a crazy defensive tandem in the pick and roll going forward. They're both like bulldogs defensively. Um, Fultz is amazing defensively. Like I think Orlando could be building something pretty great on the defensive end. Yeah, don't forget Cole Anthony too, who's had amazing stretches offensively. Who I think yeah. like eventually could. I think if Orlando was smart, I think they should make Cole Anthony take the Jordan Poole role. Yeah, on six offense. man, six man, come off the bench and spark twenty twenty five. Orlando could be very very fun with Jabari. Yeah, we're I forgetting think... Franz Wagner too. Oh. Wagner, oh my gosh, I forgot about Wagner, and he's been pretty damn good too. Yeah, Orlando's looking good. I think Jabari Jabari's perfect for Orlando. Um, it kind of breaks Definitely. my heart because uh, I think we need to talk about the next guy. <laughs> I was literally yeah. just about to say we need to talk about why it was so why it was so difficult for you to to arrive at this conclusion and why we keep saying it's. Oh, so very close is because Paolo yeah. Bancaro, who's both of our number two, I'm assuming. Um, no. Oh, you no, went actually. Chet number two? Yeah. Paolo's going wow. three, in my opinion. Just so Houston. everyone knows, Andy went into this expecting Paolo to be his number one. Yeah. Um. So that's that's uh, surprising to me. Talk to right. me a little before we talk more about Paolo. Um, I guess this is kind of talking a little bit about him. Maybe it's a little, an indictment of him more so than it is pros of Chet, but why why Chet over Paolo for you? Um, I think, okay, so Oklahoma City has the second pick. No, and no, do, do it from a big board angle. From a big board angle? Okay. Well, Just like in a vacuum, if it didn't matter who had the pick. If it didn't up. matter? Okay, so if it didn't matter, the other thing too about Chet that I truly like is I'm telling you, it's just the defensive awareness. When he's locked on, it is it is a sight to behold. And when you can be as dominant and versatile with at that size, it's like you got to kind of take that unicorn risk for me. Because I think Paulo, Paulo's skill set is really a lot about himself and not necessarily the players around him. Um, and I think... That comes with the risk because you're investing because Paulo kind of runs the show a little bit. He can do a little bit of everything. And that's why like he's taken such like a playmaking kind of style where he can pass out, but he can also get a shot in the mid range. That's an investment on a on potential culture center. Like if if they build around him, a lot of the offense is going to run through him. Chet, I feel like. Not necessarily. And that's where it's like you can kind of plug and play. That's what I really want because there is a risk to an investment of building a culture around somebody or building around someone that's heliocentric like Paulo is. Absolutely. Now, I, I can agree with parts of that. Um, I'm right now, I'm, and I'm, this could change, right? 10 days left again. But I, for me, pa- Paolo's too, just because of some of the offensive potential. 
Um, so good. Offensive league. Um, and the biggest thing is if he, if he fucking tries, man, he could be really, really good defensively. It's frustrating. Obviously like Chet is a more guarantee on that end, but I think that's not what you take big swings in the draft for. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, you know, big board angle, right. I think Powell is my number two guy. Um, because I see all the good things I love about Julius Randall in him, you know, I love like the downhill. He's a bully. He, there's guys that bounce off of him. He dunks on people. He's a really good playmaker kind of in that mid post. Right. Um, when he's driving, he's a pretty decent playmaker. Um, but he's so like dominant one handed. That's the biggest thing I noticed. He does not use his left hand. And the other thing is the defense is just like, he turns it off and on. And when he's on, he's very impressive. He's made a couple really nice, like weak side rotations, good blocks, good shot contests. Right. But I just don't see it like all the time. So it's frustrating. Right. So that's like, I don't know. Like right now I have him mocked into the rockets and that may not be like the best thing for him just from that angle. Right. Because they're just going to play. They're just going to try and beat people with offense. Um, But I don't know, man. What are your thoughts on that? Do you kind of get that same read or? Yeah. I mean, like, that's like, that's the one thing that, I don't want to say it's like intangible because it's possible, but like defensive motor is actually really, really hard to find in the league, like true defensive motor. And that's why I value Chet so high. It's just because dude, the man never gives up on a play, even if he gets beaten, like he's going to try to go for it. And, you know, Jabari is the same with wing defense and ball pressure. So when I look at Paulo going to Houston, I don't necessarily know if that's going to help any of his defensive lapses. But I will say offensively, though, it could be quite a little fun show. Um, especially, oh, absolutely. Yeah, especially with Christian Wood as Jaylen his center. Green. And Jalen Green. Kevin Porter. Sengu. Yeah. It's, it's like offensively i could see some things lighting off because paulo really does have the ability to be the offensive hub like in a sense i think what paulo's goal should be if he gets drafted number three to the rockets is really to try to be a more well-balanced dream on green in a houston offense and try to take a playmaking role and drive to the rim need more defense to get that comparison Absolutely. I meant off- offensively only, though. Because honestly, okay. I'd, d- if, if he goes to Houston, it's like, is there any defensive enforcer on their team to hold anybody accountable? It's like, no. So, um, Okay, so we've, we talked a lot about these three guys. Um, I kind of want to close off by just saying, like, regard- like even if it wasn't really going to like work out, right, with who, where the picks are and whatnot, what team do you most want to see each guy on? Um, and we can start with Chet. Where is the most fun landing spot for Chet Holmgren? I think the most fun place. He wouldn't drop this far. 
But I think Sacramento could be pretty cool for him. Play with Sabonis? And De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell. I mean, like, you'd have... weird. be weird. (laughs) I think it could work, though, because Chet has always been able to work well with traditional bigs. Yeah, and true. so with uh, Timmy uh, Gonzaga mm-hmm. and Sabonis Gonzaga connection, which kind of relates, I think uh, actually Orlando taking Chet one is the most fun outcome, like just for him, right? He gets to play with his best buddy Jalen Suggs mm-hmm. again. They played in high school together. Yeah, um, Jalen yeah, Suggs yeah. is the reason that he went to Gonzaga. Um, so that'd just be cool. I love Jalen Suggs. I mean, I'm kind of partial to that, but mm-hmm. I think that'd be fun. What about Palo? What's the like the most fun landing spot for Palo to you? Oklahoma. You think so? Well, okay, it's kind of weird because I don't know it's about like, that, honestly. No, no, no. Hear me out. Hear me out. The okay. thing is, it's like a it's a big question um, because there's a lot of questions revolving around Shy, Yodis Alexander, and where he's gonna kind of fit into this whole thing. Because as far as everybody's concerned in the OKC, you know. They love Josh, and I think Josh and Paulo together could be kind of fun to think about because that's where Paulo has to take less of a playmaking role. And I think if you want him to be a bucket getter, I think that's where we're going to see the most is in Oklahoma. I, okay, I see where I I kind of see where you're coming from now. When when you were talking about the the more scoring potential, I I I get it. That's fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it is. This is like the mo- probably the most unlikely thing I'm gonna throw out, but I think my most fun, and I'll never say that this landing spot is fun again. <laughs> but um, the most fun landing spot to me for Paolo is Indiana. It's not gonna happen because uh, they're down at six. But him oh, yeah. playing with Tyrese. One, that's very similar to what you're saying with like Darren Fox for Chet, I think. Mm-hmm. That fast break partner, the way Paolo wants to play. Um, but he'd also get to partner up, play, he'd be playing the four next to Turner. So he wouldn't have to worry about some of that rim protection. He can slide with smaller guys pretty well. So I think that would play to some of his defensive strengths and let him, he, you know, him and Tyrese would be the show. So that could and be the, pretty fun. And then they got Buddy Healed too. Which is exactly. like really cool, and like they'd have, yeah. That Indiana would be very, very fun. I think that yeah, like it's not going to happen, um, but it's just I don't because they're he'd, he'd they probably pick a little too late, but <laughs> right, yeah, right. no, for sure. They, it's not going to happen because I think they they pick a little bit too late, but it's fun, um, in my opinion. And all right, let's let's lastly Jabari. What's uh, what's your dream landing spot for Jabari? We all know, baby. Seven to the Blazers. (laughs) It's my dream. (laughs) That dude, he's the guy we've been wanting forever. I agree. Dude, he's the perfect player for Portland right now. And it's just like, damn, that like hell sucks that we got. Yeah, the guy Blazers fans been wanting for a decade. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Unfortunately, not going to happen. But yes, I think him alongside Dame and. You know, probably Nurk even, I think, would just be a great compliment. You know, right there, kind of brand spanking in the middle of the floor, kind of do it all, everything. It's it's kind of what's needed right now. Yeah. Hey, I, I like that angle, and I would, I'm going to have to agree with you, man. That would be, yeah. that'd be a good spot. Um, 
but yeah, man, that was a f- super fun draft conversation. We saved this and didn't talk about it to to do it on the podcast. So I'm I am proud of us one for holding that in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but super fun conversation. I'm super glad you came around on Jabari. I kind of thought yeah. you would when you went a little more into it. So I'm happy to see that. Um, and we'll have some more draft conversations coming, as I said earlier. But I think that's gonna do it for the podcast today, man. Uh, anything else that that you want to to add here today before we jump off? This was a again a super fun episode with you. Yeah, no, it was awesome. No, I don't really have much to say. I'll all I've okay, okay, just like a thought. Like, I guess we didn't really talk about it much since it was game five, and we really wanted to get into the draft, but. I guess I didn't acknowledge it enough, but oh my God, does Andrew Wiggins look like the best perimeter defender right now? So good, dude. It's ridiculous. And the offensive charge he brings to the Golden State is like absolutely perfect, right? Yeah, like in yeah. an ideal He's world. with a lot more force. Yeah. In an ideal world, right? They kept Kevin right? All that type of stuff, you know, they create this dynasty of dynasties, right? But, you know, 2020 is hindsight, but when they traded for Wiggins, you know, people kind of questioned it, obviously, but it seems to have like worked out very well. And I think he's, he's been such an X factor for Golden State. It's just like, he kind of looked like Mike today sometimes, dude, look like Kobe (laughs) sometimes, like, dude, the turnaround Jordan, baby. It's it like really blew my mind today. And I'm just wondering, does Andrew Wiggins have a chance to win finals MVP? That would be criminal to Steph. And I fucking love that take. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. That's all I got to say. Just because, dude, I mean, he has really played amazing defense on Boston's best offensive player, Tatum. And it's like... Hey, that's why Iguodala I, won it. I, and that's what I'm saying. I think Andrew Wiggins might have a chance to win Finals MVP. And he's scoring, like, dude, he, if he, he has scored one more, the most points today, like he he's rebounding like crazy. He's like he's making a huge impact. So I'm kind of with it. Oh yeah, no, I'm for sure. I'm just saying, man. If he has one more, and they take it home in six, dude, I I'd put a dollar on Andrew Wiggins making Finals <laughs> Yeah, but that's that's all I gotta say. Uh, about man. All right. Super fun episode, as I said, and uh, we will call it there. Thank you for listening, so. everyone. And uh, more to come. We'll see. Maybe the finals will be over this this uh, this Thursday. Hopefully not. Hopefully the Celtics extend it, but we shall see. And like again, more more draft coverage and off season trade rumors, free agent rumors to come. So, yes, sir. Thanks again for listening, and peace out. Peace.